hello and welcome to another episode of the Long Ball Football Podcast, a weekly podcast by two brothers about all things football in Portugal. You're listening to myself, Albert, and as always, I'm joined by my brother, Barney. How you doing, Barney? How's things? Yeah, good, man. Um, first of all, thank you so much for last week um, for doing the pod <laughs> by yourself. What our listeners might not know is that we got about five minutes into the recording and I had to, I had to disappear. <laughs> so you really did... Um, do a good job jumping in by yourself at the last minute, man. So thank you. Um, uh, I've got a little football anecdote, actually, which I don't usually have prepared. I had a little street party at the weekend um, and uh, these kids on the street were playing out, had, um, you know, one of those little air rockets where you sort of jump on the thing and it shoots the air up the tube and it shoots the rocket up. Right, yeah. So they were doing this and then it went so high, went right in the top of this tree. They were they were struggling to get down, so I sort of had to step up, grab the football, <laughs> and sort. Of, I had a quite a few attempts, I'll be honest, but I got I got into it, and uh, yeah, it was a pretty decent throw, I have to say. You managed to get the rocket down, bit of a hero, uh, <laughs> Rory Delap esque, exactly. <laughs> well, look, it's 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 been another great week of Premier League of football. Are the listeners surprised to hear me say that? I seem to say it every week, but there's always uh, good stuff to be found in this league. Every weekend, we had a massive game between Benfica and Braga. We had Porto taking on league high flyers, Aruca, Sporting getting a big win against Passos and Vitoria getting back on form amongst many other things, all of which we will get into in due course. But before we start, just a quick reminder that if you enjoy listening to the show, uh, and you want to support us, there are a few ways you can do that. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You can leave us a star rating on Spotify. You could share the podcast with your friends. Or if you really want to get involved, you can become a long ball football socio via our Patreon page. We're running weekly uh, Patreon-only predictions leagues, which uh, let me tell you, Barney, the league's heating up. It's popping <laughs> off. There's uh, predictions flying left, right and centre. Um, it's a lot of fun. And if you want to get involved, you can do so uh, via the link in the description of this podcast. But look, let's not waste any more time. Let's get straight into it because, of course, with four games left of the season, we're really down to just one or two really massive games to play. And we had one at the weekend as Benfica hosted Braga in their biggest test for the rest of the season, in my opinion on their road to the title. Braga in great form going into this game. They were a serious obstacle for Benfica, but Benfica came through it with, in my opinion, their best performance in quite a few weeks. They were the better team for the entire game. They completely shut out Braga. They dominated the match. It only ended 1-0, uh, but it was a very dominant display. It was a goal for in the second half from Rafa. And for me, Barney, this was a return to the kind of form uh, that we expect from Benfica throughout the season, and it could not have come out at that time. No, no, not at all. And I, I think you said there it was the best performance in a few weeks. I'd, I'd probably stretch out a bit longer. It feels like it's been the best performance in a, a month or two now. They, it's, we've really needed to see it, and and, and they all the players would have known this, and Roger Smith as well going into this game. You know, this felt like it was going to be a lot harder than it actually played out. You know, they they were really good, and and. There's individuals as well who I feel like I've I've been questioned there for you know that the key players you like so Rafa, uh, Grimaldo and and then Kyle Ramas who who I think their drop in form has affected the the rest of the team, but I mean Rafa for who got the, the all important goal in this game, you know 
it's it was a great performance from him, and and I saw um, I, I sort of looking at his goals throughout the season because he's got seven goals in the league this season, um, and but then also five goals in ten Champions League games, and I think uh, their win against Porto early in the season, his goal was the only goal in that game, and then once again in this game against Prague, you know, his goal was the only goal. So a player who sort of stepped up, you know, and and like I said, I, I have perhaps unfairly, I've sort of pigeonholed Rafa into being this player who has a good start in the season and fades away, right? But this, he's, he's, I think he's actually shown me in this game, you know, there's, there's more to him than that. You know, he, he's a really good player, such a key player for Benfica as well. And that, and that the goal was lovely, you know, it was, it was a, obviously a very quick turnaround in possession and they got the ball up quickly and played him through and he had to finish and he did a good, good job because Mateus had made a few good, good saves as well earlier throughout the game. So, he stepped up, and I think there's other players across that pitch, Albert, who who stepped up in this game. I don't know what you think. Yeah, it's a great point. I thought exactly the same thing because we we have said I don't know if it was just last season or the season before that as well, but you know, Rafa's almost become notorious for having a good first half of the season and a very poor second half of the season. And we thought that this season was going that way, but like you say, really good performance in this game. Scored a really good goal, but then also important not to forget he had a very very similar chance to get a second didn't he it was a very similar move and, and he was one of them to keep it he went for the chip that time um almost executed perfectly it wasn't a bad finish at all it just went over the bar um I thought yeah I thought it was a real real good performance from Benfica who who played the game on their terms who dictated how the game was going to be played they completely stifled Braga they didn't give them a second to try and play their own football um, it was high intensity, high energy. And I said on 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 the podcast last week about one thing that I, I liked about Benfica in their game against Gilles Vicente, which was actually not an amazing performance, but a game in which I thought they were quite brave in the manner that they continued to try and attack and, and try to make things happen, even though they weren't in, in good form. One player I thought did that very well in this game was Gonzalo Ramos, who I think was a, kind of criticised a little bit for, uh, he missed a, a, a decent chance. My attitude to that was actually, do you know what? I saw him playing in a way where he was still constantly trying to at least get himself in those positions to score on a different day. The ball goes into the back of the net and, and he breaks his duck and maybe he's back on form. So very good performance from Benfica. Um, I mean, I wrote down this, I copied down this quote from Roger Schmidt after the game. I always like looking at the manager's quotes. Um, his assessment of the match, he says, I think the team played a great game. We played with everything from the start. It was almost perfect. What we didn't manage to do was score more. We lacked effectiveness, but we created great opportunities. And I agree with that. Um, Braga tried playing with long balls, but they also showed they had quality defending. Again, I agree with that. There was some great last-ditch defending from... Uh, Borger amongst others I mean, yeah. in, in the first half. Um, he goes on to say, we had to wait a long time for the goal. When you have opportunities and you don't score, you have to stay organised. It was an excellent performance and a well-deserved victory. We were much better and we, were, and we are in a very good position to face the final stretch of the season. I think I agreed with all of that, to be honest. I, and I agreed with his assessment of the game. Great overall performance. Perhaps they lacked one or two big chances, but they stuck to the game plan uh, and they almost executed it very well. Of course, the flip side to that is Braga, as I've alluded to there, not playing the way that perhaps we've come to expect from Braga. And there was a bit of debate online after the game as to, to why that was, because basically for anyone who's not seen the game, they didn't have a shot on target for the whole match. Um, it was an uncharacteristically defensive display, although some great defensive moments from the likes of Borja and Yakate and, and some great saves from Mateus. 
I went straight to Arthur George's quotes, Barney, to see what he said, and 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 he seemed very positive about the performance, which surprised me a little. Surprised me a little bit. He suggested that the players carried out his game plan very well. He seemed to suggest that they had wanted to contain Benfica and be patient with their own chances, rather than go and try and play on the front foot. I can understand it, but I don't necessarily think it it went very well. I don't agree with him that it was a great performance. They didn't have, a, like I said, they didn't have a single shot on target all game. I'm not sure how you can justify that, really. No, it seems to be, I don't know, I think a lot was, obviously they were out um, without Almas Rassing, weren't they? He was he was injured for this game, which was a, was a big loss to their midfield. I know um, Andre Horta has been, we've, we've praised him several times this season for that his his role when he's come into that midfield too, alongside uh, Rasic in this game, and but it just felt like they, he wasn't the right player for this game in a way, you know, and, and Rasik as well, you know, they, they've sort of got qualities that Al Masrati has as one player, if you see what I mean, and and, and sort of both of them together just seem to lack that little bit of something. Um, I thought Rumour had a sort of an interesting game, didn't he? It was it was a really interesting battle again between uh, him and Alisson. I think, you know, Bruno Rumour completed 12 dribbles in this game, which seems like a ridiculous stat. But then when you look at it, what did he do with that, those dribbles? You know, I think Benfica defended really well as a team. Um, and I, I just wanted to talk about Alisson for a little bit, Albert, because, uh, you know, I, well, the first thing I thought is a, a player who sort of has played several positions for a team, you know, and I was trying to think of comparisons. Of course, like John O'Shea and James Milner pop up, right? But I don't <laughs> think that's, I don't think that's right because I feel like Alisson has that, Something to him, he's got a bit more of a class, and I couldn't really think of a, another player who, off the top of my head, as, as someone who's plays so many roles for a club but has got real, real quality. But I think the, the, the point I'm trying to make of this the fact that Roger Smith has asked Alzans to sort of play in various positions is the belief he has in him and the, and the trust. And I, I think for this Benfica team, that's really important because not only does Schmidt know that wherever he puts him, he's going to get a decent performance and solidity. You know, it, uh, other players in that pitch will, will know that as well and they'll, they'll, they'll boost their confidence. Um, so, yeah, I thought that sort of that that that, that right-hand side for Benfica and that left-hand side for Braga was a really interesting matchup. I Going back to Braga, I just, yeah, I it just felt like they didn't perform as well as we might have hoped and, and, and know that they can. And then, yeah, like the the point you made there, the most damning thing was the fact they weren't able to sort of create a shot on target. Although maybe we should be looking at Benfica's efforts and in, in, in restricting that. Yeah, I, I am a little bit conflicted on that point because I don't quite buy Arthur George's comments that you know he he came out after the game and said I thought they executed the game plan really well and I'm proud of how they played. I mean, if I was a you know a mid table team, I would probably be 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 saying that you know that they held on and that they almost created one or two chances but I definitely I definitely expected a, a, bit, a bit more from them I like you man they really missed Ali Amazrati as soon as that news came out I texted it to you and I knew that was going to have a big impact on this game because Benfica completely dominated the centre of midfield Ratchich and Andre Horta they just didn't have any time on the ball and it meant that for Braga Nothing could go through the middle. Everything was going through the wings, like you say, through Bruma, mm. those twelve, those twelve successful dribbles. It was either that or the long ball, and I think neither of those were were very effective. And I think it was Benfica who completely outplayed them. If we're going to be honest about what the situation is, Benfica massively outplayed them. The better team won, and I think you know 
Braga got the better of better of Benfica at home, and Benfica came out in this game, you know, for a little bit of vengeance. I think. Can I? I, I know it's because we're getting towards the end of the season now, but I, was, I, I literally just had the thought for the for the, the first time. You know, I, a lot of Benfica's season, and obviously recently, has been about are they going to get it over line? Are they going to win the title? And it's been so focused on the present, right? And it. I just had this thought for the first time seeing Jean Neves and Antonio Silva and just being like, Jesus Christ, these these are young kids killing it. And and this is this is gonna be for a long time. You know, this is this this Benfica's Benfica's success. I mean, I know I, I feel like I haven't been able to talk about Jean Neves enough as I as as I wanted to on this podcast. And it's been a few weeks since he's burst into the scene. But I mean, this guy's essentially keeping Florentino out of the team, isn't he? The way he's come on and performed, he is unbelievable and of course Antonio Silva is just ridiculous and, and perhaps they'll be lucky to keep him next season you know he's, he's obviously attracted a lot of suitors but I you know this performance coming at like the, the key time you know it looks like the title the title's in the bag now it's the, it's the first time I probably thought wow this is this is there's something really Roger Schmidt's building something here there's a there's a there's a, a real eye of the to the future of this team yeah, you might have thought that when they were ten points clear, but um, yeah, no, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> no, I think, yeah. and you know what, I, I I wrote down as well. Recent listeners will know that we've been doing weekly preview articles on Portugal.net. This week, Barney wrote a preview article. He picked out five players to watch. Picked out Bruma, who had a very interesting game, which was a great shout. But also picked out Jerome Neves, his, his third consecutive start. He made his debut for Benfica. I think it was on on New Year's Eve. Uh, so almost literally in, on the first day of 2023, he made his debut. He's been kind of a bit part player, an 18 year old kid who, who's made his way into the first team. And, and, you know, he's now made three consecutive starts. Listen, you could talk about that boy as, as one of the men of the match in this game. You know, he was a real candidate for that. He had a fantastic game in, let's be honest, the biggest game of his career. So far, there, there is no bigger game for him than the one he played at the weekend. And he was fantastic. Without the ball, with the ball, he was excellent. You know, he started the season. I, I saw a tweet from Sophie Oliveri. She said uh, he started the season as a substitute for the B team and he's ending it as a starter for the senior team. What a beautiful story. He deserves it. You know, the kid's been fantastic. And I think just one of the many, many success stories for, for Ben Pique this season. My, just to end on my favourite stat about Jan Evers, and it's not the first time, he he won four aerials in this game, and he's he's a, a tiny little kid. I think I remember his, <laughs> I think his debut. I think he won like five out of seven aerial duels. You know, he's he, he's got that hunger, that 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 you know that bit of fight in him. He's a, yeah, he's ahead of a talent. And we've we've really got to keep an eye on him. Don't let his smart tucked in shirt <laughs> for you, man. He can uh, he can get day. What did you didn't you describe him as the Portuguese Scott Parker once? I, I cannot was... take credit for that, but I do really enjoy ah. that comparison. <laughs> All right, let's move on swiftly and uh, talk about Porto, who played Aruka. It was another 1-0 win for Porto against the fifth-place side. They would have seen that result, Barney, between Benfica and Braga a few nights before this game. And it's fair to say it was a big, big dent in their own title hopes. They were really clinging on to the fact that Benfica would have to drop points in their game against Braga, which they didn't. But they still had to go out and do the job against Aruka. Much easier said than done against the side who've held their own against many bigger clubs on paper so far this season. I think, let's be honest about the situation of Barney, I expected a Porto win before the game, and, and that's exactly what we got. I don't know. Part of me thought Aruga might be able to do something, although um, looking, I had a look at their history against the, the top three teams this season, and it, it, 
first half of the season lost 4-0 to Benfica, 6-0 to Porto, 5-1 to Braga. But then the second half of the season, they've sort of improved 3-0 Benfica, 2-0 to, against Braga, and then only losing 1-0 against Porto this time. So you could say <laughs> there is They're going in the right direction. <laughs> but I guess it sort of shows the, the how they've grown it this season as well. You know, they, they've been great, but they've also, you think we've seen a team develop. Um, and then, do you know what? I, I saw Samal at the end of the game sort of complaining about the time wasting from Porter in this game, you know, he said, it, he said it, it's always the little teams are accused of time wasting, which is, I think it's fair enough, but I think it sort of t- tells you how this game sort of played out. You know, it wasn't a, a comfortable ride for Porto. Um, Meccano popping up with a, an important goal. And, and I wouldn't, I just had no, no expectations of him being a, a key, as key a player for Porto this season as he has been. He's, you know, he's just coming to this team and, and really, you know, there's been some key goals from him this season. You know, and I, I was thinking if it, if they were top of the table, we perhaps would have been hyping him a little more than we have this season. You know, he's been excellent for them. This is a touchy subject for me, Marcano. He's been my fantasy team wild card. People don't know about even Marcano. Very cheap selection in your fantasy team, but he keeps a lot of clean sheets for Porto, and he pops up with the occasional goal. But anyway, what happened last week? I discussed it. He got himself sent off. So I thought I will do the smart thing <laughs> and I will sub him out of my fantasy team. I don't know what happened, but he ends up starting the game and scoring and cleaving a clean sheet. Not that people care about my fantasy team, but he, he, he obviously got a great goal this game. As he has done, as you say, he's done that a few times this season. He scored a few goals. We always rave about Pep being a kind of older, older centre-back, um, still putting in great performances. Well, when Porto have had problems at centre-back this season, he's filled in admirably. Um, it's interesting, though, that he, obviously, a centre-back being their only goal scorer of the game, the strikers for Porto haven't had much joy from open play. Of course, Taremi has scored a couple from the spot recently, but from open play, Barney, Taremi, Martinez and Danny, Mal- Danny Lamaso have, have scored one goal each from open play in Porto's last five games. Um, it's not a lot. And I think it's perhaps a bit emblematic of, of the state Porto in at the moment. Things not quite clicking, still getting results over the line. But I have to say, I don't watch Porto with a lot of excitement anymore. Just the way they're playing, I don't think is really um, encouraging to watch. No, I think I think there's a real issue at the moment in there. With Taremi and of course, Evan Nielsen's terribly out of form. But I think that the... the the whole dynamic of Evan Nielsen and Taremi at the beginning of the season when it was working well, you know, Taremi was dropping deep, breaking the lines, just, you know, creating stuff. And Evan Nielsen was causing problems to the back line get, and, and, and finishing himself. And and both of those players don't seem to be, have that same, they're not doing this that, that at the moment at all, really. It's it's very, very drab, to be honest. And, and it seems that like Porto really need at the moment they need some individual creativity right and and, and players like Namaso screams out that he's got that you know he Taremi you don't see Taremi sort of picking the ball up faint and and, and getting past the player you know he, he's not doing that and then you look further back to the pitch and as as amazing as Otavio has been you know he's been Mr. Consistent um, for Porto they're, they're, they're sort of they're their shining light and but when you have him outside out on the wing you lose the 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 dribbling skills that you might get with a Pepe Kuno playing further forward, or you know, even a even Gabriel Veron, who I've completely forgotten about, and and, and I think <laughs> I saw a statistic saying that I think uh, 
David Carmo has actually more recently played 10 minutes for Porto than Gabriel Verón, which sort of, wow. which is really, you know, what what's happened to him. Well, sorry, I've I've got I've lost track a little bit there. The point I'm trying to make up is is the and I think that you were alluding to there, there doesn't seem to be any I always describe it as a spark, you know. It, it, there's no there's no one in that Porto team offering that that bit of magic you think of Luis Diaz from last season, you know, Galena's close to that, but I don't think he's quite given enough of a service, really. He doesn't seem to ball it much. And I would like to see a similar player on the other wing, you know, offering the same. But um, it seems like Contrasel's persistent squad selection has sort of led to this point, you know, when I think there's perhaps other players in that team who might be able to offer a little bit more. A little bit different, yeah. sorry. Yeah, well, credit to him. Um, he's 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 found a team that will, will always deliver a result, right? It might not always be pretty to watch, but they they are delivering and they've delivered week in, week out for a long time now, including, let's give them credit where it's due, they beat Benfica recently. You know, they've won big games. Mm. Um, so, it, it, you know, I, I, just to make my position clear, I'm not trying to really criticise Porto. It's more that just, you know, when you look at the team that's playing now, it, it's very different from the one that finished last season. And I know they lost important players, but um, it does seem like, the ambition is different. The ambition is obviously to get results and to get wins by any means necessary. Whereas last season, it felt like they had the luxury of uh, a bit more adventurousness going forward, um, perhaps. Can I just ask you a question now? Because uh, it's many, it's about Tavia, right? Because like I said, he's been amazing all season. He's, he's, he's an incredible player. But if you're looking at Porto's squad and their saleable assets... He, for me, he's the only one, right? And I'm, I've never seen any rumours. I've never seen any news stories sort of linking with me. I think last this time last year, there was a couple about maybe Aston Villa being in for him or something, offering like 20 mils. But there's never really any concrete things coming out about Otavio leaving, right? But but if, if, if Porto are going to sell someone this, this summer and, and make money, the only person I would think be attractive to any other club would be Otavio, but I just don't know if if if, if he would be moving and and then how disaster would that be if he was to leave? Yeah. I think well the obvious one is Diogo Costa and goal. I think he will be oh uh, yeah. Yeah he will be the big money. <laughs> That's a massive sale. oversight on my half sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all right. But no but on Otavio there were those tentative links with with Inter or was it Milan? I can't remember somewhere yeah. in Italy a couple of seasons ago. But he signed a he signed a, a long term deal. I think it was last summer he signed a five year deal. So um, he seems very committed to the club. Um, I don't think they will sell him. I think you know I don't think there's going to be a huge turnover for players at Porto this mm. summer like there was last year because like you say I don't think there are so many obvious big sales. Um, they might look at selling fringe players and, and signing some of the kind of younger, uh, more moneyball signings from South America, those those youngsters that they're going to sell on. So I don't think there's going to be as big a turnover of players this summer. And, um, you know, I mean, obviously we're not talking about the cup here, but uh, for anyone who watched Porto versus Famalicão and the Tassa de Portugal semi-final, second round, he scored an incredible goal. Yeah. And, and he was not only man of the match, the best player on the pitch, but a leader. And I think coming into the season, I think we will, he will probably be Porto's player of the season. At the end of the year, he's been fantastic. Um, of course, we should talk about Aruka Barney. It's obviously a disappointing loss, although, you know, debatable whether they can ex- could have expected really much else out of the game. This is a pretty incredible stat, though. This is the first time that Aruka have lost two games a row in a row all season. 
they haven't lost two games in a row all season. That's a fantastic, fantastic result. And, you know, we were talking a couple of weeks ago about why they are where they are. And it was about consistency. And, you know, they, they've they've never really had compounded defeats or periods of, of poor form. That said, with three games to go, the gap between themselves and Pretoria has now been reduced from seven points to one point in just two games. That's how quickly things can change. They've lost their talismanic captain, Joel Basso, to injury just a couple of weeks ago. Three matches still to play. I'm really hoping that this dip in form, after such an incredible season that they've worked so hard to be where they are, isn't going to, to hurt them too much. Obviously, of course, with Porto getting to that final of the Tasta Portugal, that sixth place in the Premier League opens up as a Conference League qualification place. So that is a lifeline for them. Important to mention that they're five points clear of Shavs in seventh. So even if they were to drop to six, it would still be a very, very impressive season. But just a bit of a shame that it does seem like they've almost run out of season with three games to left. Do you know what I mean? If the season had ended four games ago, it would have been perfect. Well, the, the loss to Rear was was pretty disappointing and 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 pretty um unlike them from, from what we've seen. But then you look at the I, I would say the Porto result was probably always going to happen. But then Albert, the next three games, Astral Pryor, who, you know, desperately need to get a result and, and that could be tough. And then Shavs, you know, that's going to be a massive game if, if Shavs can keep if keep that gap closed um to them. So it's a it'll be a retail, real test for now. You know, they they've uh, it's I'm I can't think of a good analogy. You know, they like you mentioned, they've got so close and 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 they can always touch it. But it's uh maybe they've sort of seen the drop now and and, and you know it's or what is it get got too close to sun the feathers of fall. I, I don't know, but you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> they've got to be careful, is what I'm trying to say. And 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 I think they've 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 certainly got it in to do it. But they they yeah they need to they need to. They need to see it through. They've just got to, man. That'd be heartbroken. <laughs> yeah, top six has got to be their target. And I still believe that they can do that. Well, look, Bonnie, let's talk about sporting then. A team we've we've not really spoken about as much as we used to. And I think that's just kind of because of where they are in, in the table, really. Stuck in fourth. Or are they? Because it was another good win. Three consecutive wins on the bounce. They beat Pasta Ferreira 3-0 away from home. Bonnie, they're just four points behind Braga in third place. Um, although Sporting, of course, still have to play Benfica. Braga got their game against Benfica out of the way now. I think everyone associated with Sporting will be happy with this result. I thought it was, it was an enjoyable game to watch. I watched the game. I thought they played well. Good performance. Good performances from a lot of players, uh, particularly the goal scorer Nuno Santos and, and Francisco Trincao as well. Um, good game for Sporting. And, and you know, we've, we seem to go through cycles with Sporting, don't we? We say they'll put a, a, a string of results together and we'll say, yeah, they're looking good. They're playing well. And then maybe they'll have a couple of... Uh, couple of dodgy results and perhaps so we're talking about them being inconsistent again. Look, three games to go, a big game coming up against Benfica at a crucial part of the season. You know, Benfica could win the title at, at their stadium. So it's going to be an interesting end to the season, but at least they're, they're, they're putting some wins together now when they should be winning. Yeah, they really are. And and like you said, there's players, I'm, I'm looking mainly at that attack, that front three who are really combining well. You know, this was an incredible display from Trincao, Edwards, and and Pedro Gonzalez. You know, it just worked. It, I was sort of questioning that as as, as a a free attack, and and that, but it 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 just clicked in this game, and Trincao was in, in, incredible. You know, and I, and I had to after this game, I had to check about 
what his situation was because it, it's always been a bit murky but you know i think sporting now own him outright they, they'll they'll pay the was it eight million euros or 10 million euros to to Barcelona, that's a that's a, that's a steal because he's you know he's this end of the season he's really come alive and shown his real quality. I mean the the, the touch and turn for his goal was yeah absolutely unbelievable. Well, it was 10, 10 million euros for fifty percent of the player, which I think at the beginning of the season the thing was everyone oh, yeah. was saying that that looked like a a bad a bad deal, but as you say a much better form. And I think I didn't forgot about Barney that I saw someone rightfully say on Twitter he didn't have a pre-season at the club no. um, you know he was quite a last minute signing so you know like you say maybe with um, with, with a proper pre-season and, and with confidence and, and uh, uh, good form he'll turn out to be a really good signing No I, I, I really think he will he could and, and we've seen him grow as well this season you know he's really he's really got back into the rhythm of this league um, I mean the other player is, is Nuno Santos he's just I'm. I think the rumours around him, you know, there's obviously rumors, a couple of rumours about Premier League clubs. I think Forest and Wolves interested in him. And uh, was he 27, 28? You know, sort of argue, arguably at the around the peak of his career. But he, he's been so good, and I, that finish was just. He's got that in him, isn't he? He's got that confidence. He's, he's was it this season he scored that Rabona? Um, you know, he, he's got he's got that in his locker, and and he's he's been. A, yeah, I just don't really know how to describe him now, but he's just he's been so good for them, and 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 just I he I think he does deserve the move to the Prem, you know, if he was to get it because he's he's shown that quality and consistency, hasn't he, over a few seasons now? Well, he's another he's another one of those players whose age seems to make him a kind of un unfashionable signing because you know signing a twenty seven year old player from the Portuguese league, I don't think on paper a lot of fan bases would be excited by that. You know, they want the youngsters, they want 21 year old kids who they can grow and, and, and sell on for big profits. But ability wise, I think he's, he's right up there with some of the players that have moved from Portugal to other big clubs around Europe and the Premier League. Definitely, you know, he scored a wonderful goal in this game. He's scored um, world-class goals on uh, multiple occasions during his time at sporting great finishes. He's scored uh, in big games, in important games. He's put in, Good performances uh, in, in in important games, and I think you know, obviously on the one on the one hand, when when you sign um, a player of his age, what you're not getting is, is you know the resale value and the ability to grow. But let's not forget that you what what you are getting is is a fully formed player and a player with experience and a player who knows himself and, and has confidence in his own game. So yeah, I think he's a. I've I've always said that he's an underrated player. I think at the end of the last season, it, I went on. Sporting 160 in with the guys and they were talking about their players of the season and he was really, you know, one of my players of the season for them and I think he continues to be an undervalued and, and underrated player in that side, definitely. Um, I really like Stiamande in this game, Barney. I thought he was brilliant. He's had some really good performances. Um, he's starting to look like a steal as well. You know, he was another one that when people signed him, they're sort of saying, oh, we, well, we've already spent a lot of money on centre-backs. I think a lot of people have forgotten about centre-backs now. That Diamande's there. He, he'd only played six months in the second division of Portugal, but Sporting had seen enough. And I think we're starting to see what they saw in him. Um, passing, uh, interceptions, physicality, speed. You know, he's got a lot of desirable assets for a centre-back. And I think this was one of his best games. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing I liked about him, you, you talked about his passing there. He, he wants the ball, right? He will he, start the play and uh, he had the most touches for Sporting of 115, played the most passes with 107, 93.5% accuracy. 
you know, plenty of long balls as well, searching balls, getting them moving up the pitch, getting ground. And, and it, yeah, he's like you say, he's just 19 years old, for goodness sake. And it's, um, it's a, it's a it's a great signing for them. They needed they needed that, and uh, it's Nash and Nash was on the other side doing similar things, you know. But but the main but uh, the more more often than not, it was Diamonde, you know, what starting starting plays for Sporting. Oh uh, yeah, he's he's been fantastic. And and it's uh, like you said at the start here, you know, sort of referencing that Benfica game uh, coming up. Perhaps they'll be focused on that, you know. That that that's they they've they've perhaps got something to. You know, like we've been saying, what is their season? You know, what are they what are they aiming for now? They've sort of they faded up, but if they if they're focusing on that game and sort of trying to have a say in this title race, you know, perhaps maybe we're starting to see that sort of come together now because this is a really dominant performance. There, the the results are picking up, the form's picking up. Um, they they look like they they've got a bit more fire in them. You know, they, we've seen from Amarin sides in the in the past. You know, so it's it's looking positive, and then perhaps that Benfica game is what they've got their eye on. Well, look, you know what? It's not even just about having a say in the title race. I think they've 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 got something still to fight for in, in this league. You know, they're like I said, they're four points off Braga with three games to go. That is not an insurmountable uh, obstacle. Four points, anything can happen. A big win against uh, Benfica would, would you know put real pressure on Braga, and uh, and who knows what could happen. So, um, you know, whilst it's not been an amazing season, of course, they they have shown still great moments and 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 good form of course we're talking about sporting barney we've talked about um we talked about nuna sandra's goal we talked about francisco trincao's goal what we haven't talked about um oh. is the first goal um <laughs> which i believe was was initially described as a luis carlos own goal but then was officially put down as a marathoner own goal Listen, if anybody ha- is not aware of what we're talking about with this goal, um, depending on your point of view, you can either treat yourself or subject yourself to uh, one of the most awful own goals that you'll see this season. It was disastrous. Um, Marathona, the Pastor Ferreira goalkeeper, in my opinion, and Barney, I'll let you have your opinion on this, in my opinion, Marathona has to take the blame for this own goal for two reasons. One, when they're trying to play out from the back, he makes the wrong choice. With the pass, he has a player free over to his right-hand side. He passes the ball through the middle to Luis Carlos, facing his own goal with pressure from two players, is forced to make a first-time return pass back to the keeper. It's not a good pass, of course, but he's under pressure. It's first time. It looks like it's going towards his own goal. Marathon is scrambling. It, <laughs> it hits the post of the goal and somehow bounces in off Marathon, who manages to miss kicking it out listen we're laughing how many times Barney on this podcast have I said a similar thing that when your team is in trouble and fighting relegation and you need every single point that you get to do something like this is just unforgivable I mean please pass us they just need to do themselves a favor and not put themselves in this position uh, I know I thought Marathon had injured himself kicking the post as well one <laughs> and and Look, I'm not so sure about. I, I don't know. I thought like, Luis Carlos' pass was supposed to be for the centre back, but he played. Around. I don't know. Regardless, it was, he, he. I don't think he really knew himself. It was one yeah. of them where he hadn't quite made his mind up. But you know, these are two players who have been so good for them. Particularly Marathon. I think even in this game, he made some excellent saves later on in the game. You know, these are these are two players who just who just didn't deserve it. And you and you can't help think about what might have happened, right? Because the the, the team Pichotto set out with, um, you know. Uh, Getting hold of back into the team, Z Carlos, of course, and and then you've got the the front three of Ilton, 
Gredesh and Gaitan. And I, I was thinking about that attacking trio about because it 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 it's tr- I think Pashota is trusting his experience right for this game. But then of course once that goal goes in, I don't think that attacking three other sort of players who are able to get you know, make something happen or, or, or cause sporting problems. Obviously, Gaitan can, but I, I'm looking more at Ilton and Gedesh. And, and you see all that with, um, you know, once they went behind, uh, you know, Pujato had to put on Nigel Thomas, had to put on Butzka to, to, to sort of mix things up. And 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 so it was just so unfortunate that because it could have played out so differently, potentially, uh, you know, that just such a bad start for them. And I, I was, it was hard to see them get anything from this game after that, wasn't it? Because it just, it was uphill. And I, I don't feel they had to chase, they had to go for it. And it, I don't think that helps that helped them at all playing against sporting and, and how quickly they can counter and, and hit teams. Well, it was a difficult task before the game, but obviously once the goal goes in, uh, it becomes a hell of a lot more difficult. We've spoken about Puzzle so much this season, Barney. There must be one of the teams that we've covered the most this season. And a lot of the what we've been saying about them in recent weeks has been about whether they can escape from the drop. Um, with three games left to go and a result like this and a performance like this, do I think do we have to start having fair conversations about, you know, similar conversations that we would have had last season about clubs like BSAD who are who are making mistakes like this, putting in performances like this when they really needed to put in, you know, just calm, confident performances about if you're going to play this way in important games, maybe, you know, maybe you deserve to go down if that's the level that you're playing. And I think that's what kind of upset me about this game is that they've done in the second half of the season quite well to give themselves some credibility because Let's not forget they were a laughing stock first half of the season with, you know, something like two points from the first 12 games or whatever it was, you know. And they did really well to to give themselves credibility. But I think they've just been losing that in recent weeks, recent games. I don't know whether there's perhaps players giving up, maybe the heads have dropped. Maybe they haven't quite got the stamina to sustain the, the passion and the drive that they had five or six games ago towards the end of the season. But... Yeah, another really disappointing loss um, and they're really running out of games to to put enough points on the table to survive. Yeah, no, it's it's, it's a shame, but, the, the, you know, you've got to look at key results. You know, the, the loss to Marisa recently felt like a big one and a significant one. And it was always going to be a monumental task, but I think you're right there, Albert. It's, they, they just... It was, the task was too long and, and too big. <laughs> you know, it, it was... It wasn't... Yeah, it was going to be hard to overcome. I... We'll have to see what happens in the next few games. You've got Shavs and Rio and then Braga last day of the season. It's, you know, it's, it, well, <laughs> who knows? But I, it just feels like it's a, it's a step too far now for this team. Yeah. I mean, you know, maybe if they'd got uh, that win against Maritimo, you would have said that two wins from the last three would have done it. Yeah. Maybe even if they win those, those, those two games, it might not even be enough. So, yeah, tough times. Well, let, let's talk about something a bit more positive. Um, and talk about Vittoria Barney, a team that, you know, for a few weeks we were very down on after waiting after waiting for so long for a win. You know, they've now got two in a row uh, and it was a really important 3-0 win against Vizela. Exactly the sort of game that I think a couple of weeks ago you feel like they would have lost, but they were brilliant in this game. It was goals from Mikel Villanueva, Andre Silva and Alfonso Freitas that gave them a big three points uh, that closed the gap on Aruka, as we mentioned, to just one point. Yeah, it's, it's a great performance from them, and and they 
they look rejuvenated, you know, with players coming back in uh, to the squad. But Villanueva was getting the goal, but he, you know, he was really a noticeable absence in that back line with his injuries. Um, you could say the same for Bruno Varela and uh, Ibrahim Bamba as well. And it's yeah, they 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 were they were just playing like how we, we used to see them. You know, it was it was it all it all clicking together. Mikey Johnson had an excellent game uh, on the left wing. Um, he's he's. I'd be really interested to see what happens with him because he's he's shown moments of real quality uh, in 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 this league, and he's he's quite a frightening prospect actually. When he's you know he's running at defenders and then cutting the sides, you know he he's really good and um likes of uh, I was really happy to see Thomas Handel back in the in the midfield as well. You know, I, a player who sort of disappeared after showing so much promise at the end of this time last year. Um, so no, a, a really Really good performance from Victoria, and 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 like you mentioned earlier when we were discussing Rookie, you know they're that they're that bit close to them now, and and, and have a a big free games to sort of try and overtake them and get that uh, conference league spot, the guaranteed ones, right? Yeah, absolutely, and 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 you know, you Mikey Johnson, the man of the match, his best game in the Victoria shirt, surely they, you know, he was so threatening all game from that left hand side. I. Vizella could not handle him. He got two assists in the first half alone, both of which came from delivering balls from the left-hand side. Villanueva was a corner and Andre Silva from open play. Um, in this game, only five out of seven successful dribbles, five key passes, two big chances created. Really brilliant game uh, from the Irishman. Very happy to see him doing well in the Victoria shirt. One thing that I just wanted to mention was I, I sort of picked up last week on um, the fact that uh, the defence... Is, is what's been making a difference for them. And and, and it's a back three of Tunkare, Bamba and Villanueva that started this game. Uh, it's the same back three that started the last three games, going back to 2-0 loss against Sporting, obviously. A loss might not be the obvious game to pick out a good defensive performance, but actually it wasn't Vittori's worst performance by a long shot. They looked much improved in that game. And of course, it was a subsequent win against Maritimo. Uh, and Vizella, where they, they've looked much better defensively. Uh, of course, the goalkeeper coming back, Varela makes a big difference as well, but that's really been the foundation for me for their, their improved performances these last few games. And I was, I think I was critical of Tunkara, um, you know, quite a few weeks ago when, when, when the Raven Bamba weren't in the team because I felt like maybe I was just blaming him for for their performance, but I think he's actually been very, very good, as you mentioned there. And, yeah, com- completely their foundation at the back is, is what's seen them perform so well this season. So that getting that, that back together has been vitally important. And of course, you know, Andre Silva is a really interesting player for me, Albert, because he had quite a big start to the season, some good goals and some incredible goals. And then obviously had the injury. The He's he's, worked, he's come back into the team and I think it's taken him a little while to... to, to find his form again but he's he's looking really good again uh obviously got the goal in this game and um and uh, and sort of making it clear about why the toy were happy to to take a chance on him and, and sign him from uh, aruka you know he's 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 got real potential i think Vizella dropping quite far down in the table now it's a few bad results in a row they're in 11th they're behind boa vista at one point we were talking about can they make a late push for europe um, it's not quite happened. Um, maybe we're being, it's a bit unfair to kind of point things out and they've had some tough games, but definitely recently some some disappointing performances. I think their season's over, although 
for a team of their size, survival is a perfectly respectable uh, result for their season. But yeah, perhaps, you know, with Vizela, there's always been that hint of what could be and, and you know, the, the potential that they might have. And it, it, it just often goes a little bit unfulfilled. I think part of Albert is the maybe the lack of options or the sort of lack of rotation. I think that we're so we've seen the same players almost week in week out, and and they haven't really got and and it's those players who sort of usually get them the results right. They 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 haven't really got much to come off the bench. I I've, I know Le Cava game on last week of play. I was quite interested to see. Uh, but he, you know, he hasn't been able to work his way into the starting eleven. Kevin Zoe as well, that sort of has been just generally quite disappointing. So I, I think that's perhaps catching up with them now. You know, they're, there's they're not very, they're obviously not very fresh, having played so so many minutes. So yeah, they'll they 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 just run out of steam essentially, haven't they? And and, and that's fair enough. They have had a good season. They have done. Um, all right, let's talk about. And do you know what, Barney? I don't know whether we should have started with this game because it's by far the most surprising result of the weekend. Um, as <laughs> listeners, in case you missed the results, um, do not adjust your set. This is not a mistake because Santa Clara have won a game of football in 2023. They won 3-2 at home against Gil Vicente. Not only that, but at one point, they were 3-0 up. It was their first league win since the 14th of November, 2022, against Estoril. That was also the last time they scored more than two goals in a game. Four months ago, nearly, Barney. Four months. I don't think there was a single person who follows Portuguese football that predicted this result. We know percent have been in poor form. But at the very least, I thought Santa Clara would get a draw, you know, maximum. Absolutely incredible scenes. <laughs> oh, well, I texted you saying when I saw their friend, I said, "What the fuck are they doing? Like they were they were supposed <laughs> to get re- supposed to get relegated this week." <laughs> uh, no, it's been um, it was a well. I, I I'll, I'll start with Jill Vicente because it was I was really interested to hear Daniel Souza say in his post match conference um, that his team weren't prepared for the way Santa Clara played in the first half. And this is doing a massive disservice to Santa Clara, right? Because I, I we've just had them nailed on as uh, going down for so long. Um, they haven't been interesting to watch at all. I didn't even know that, that, that who their manager was, Albert. It's, it, <laughs> I, I was surprised to see it was a, a Daniel Asioli, um a former player. But he's been in charge for the last five games, right? And but more interesting, he was assist. He's been assistant manager at Santa Clara since 2019. You know, but he's been assistant manager to six different managers. And I, I, I did you know the the last five games haven't been great, but this one, this one was, and 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 there was incredible performance from midfielder Adriano, who's been really um, underwhelming all season. You know, he hasn't. He's played a lot of games, but hasn't really performed well. And then the likes of Babi playing through the middle as well, getting it, scoring the penalty, which was a bit soft in my opinion. But anyway, it it, it just all suddenly came together, and we saw a, a rampant Santa Clara, just uh, lots of players forward, very aggressive, and Gilbert just had no answer. To them. If I was a Santa Clara fan, I don't know how I would feel about this game. Because on the one hand, I would be happy that my team had won when we're in the relegation battle. On the other hand, I would be absolutely furious 
as to why this team have not played this way since November last year. Like, what is what is different about this day that all these players woke up on this day and decided that all right, I'm going to play football today. Um, I I didn't watch the game live. I watched the highlights and. I thought they weren't, I didn't think they were amazing. I think they still showed signs of their kind of strange uh, behaviour of some of the players, some strange mistakes. I think there was an element of fortune to some of their goals, but fair play to them because they scored three and they should have scored four. They should have been four nil up, which is which is pretty incredible. Well, they they were they're really good at their set pieces, right? They, they caused a lot of yep. problems, as you were saying. They, got, they kept putting balls in. And good, good quality balls as well, and and, and that that's where they were getting the the joy. I, I mean, I, I feel bad to move on to Gilbert percent so quickly. Then not spend more time on Santa Carla. I haven't really got much more to say on on on, on them. <laughs> but I think it's really interesting to look at Gilbert Cent, who are in a really bad place, right? I mean, we were so full of praise of Daniel Souza when he first got started. You know, he really seemed to. We've got something out of this squad who were struggling to find some sort of identity from having been so good last year. They had a really drab start to the first half of the season, and he came in and it suddenly looked like it was starting to work. and And it's been a rapid, rapid decline in in, in their form, a form which I think has coincided with Fran Navarro's form. Right? I, I think I, uh, he was one of my five players to watch for the weekend on the Portugal so because of his lack of action in front of goal I think it's one in the last 10 games so it's um compared to a, a, was it 12 in the in, in the first half of the season and there's a good squad there Albert and uh, and that Daniel Souza really seems to have well perhaps it's the players letting down but like you look at the likes of Fran Navarro I've mentioned obviously Murillo an excellent winger who obviously suffered injury but has been really is you we know his quality Fujimoto as well has been a shadow of the player he was last year Adrian Marin who was so good at family cow last season T- Thomas Arujo who we've praised Andrew and goal as well there's there's quality there which you cannot say for Santa Clara you cannot say for a few other teams in this league you know and for for them to be where they are and and, and have dropped so quickly it's it's really disappointing, and, and and I don't know what the answer is because, I, like I said, I had high hopes for Daniel Souza when he first came in. Well, it's difficult for us to know as as observers who to 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 point the blame at. And part of me does sympathise with a manager in this situation because he must be thinking the same thing as you, Barney. He must be he must be looking at his players and going, "What am I supposed to do?" Because they were dreadful in that first half, and to be honest, the first part of the second half as well. They they were they were leaking goals. It was just terrible defending. You know, Santa Clara were first to every ball. They were they were you know showing hunger and desire that Gil Vicente just just didn't have. Maybe, maybe it's as simple as something like that. Hunger and desire. Maybe that's gone. Maybe this team has got nothing to play for. But I don't know how that can happen when, like you say, they were just turning a corner into this brilliant patch of form. When you were thinking, well, look. Is that not worthy of of, of these players' um, attention? Do they not want to apply themselves to putting good performances against against big clubs? The, the form has gone off a cliff. I, I looked at their recent, re- I looked at their results. Right, they haven't won in nine games. In their last nine games, they've got two points. If you look at the five or six games before that, they were they had four wins and a draw or something. It was you know a real dramatic drop in form. Um, they of course did get two goals back. The Fran Navarro penalty, I think, you know, the way his goal to Cali looks at the moment, I think is very flattering because he's been very poor. 
very very poor and you know we've dished out the praise to Fran Navarro when he's deserved it but I think he deserves some criticism because you know he, he's offered absolutely nothing to to them recently um Bilal Washerio got the second goal I actually thought that was a really good goal I thought that was the best goal of the game and and that is almost the frustration isn't it because that's a player with quality you you listed a load of players in that team with great quality and not just great quality but quality that we have seen in the league this season, so it is. It is a bizarre one, and um, of course, the, the two goal comeback makes the game makes the scoreline look better for them. But in my opinion, it was just far too little, far too late. Well, listen, Barney, uh, we're going to round up this game, but I'm just going to leave you with this. At the beginning of this section, I said to you that this was the first time that Santa Clara had won a game since they played Estoril in November. They won three one. I wonder if. Our listeners or yourself will have worked out, though, what that means when they look at the league table. Because they are, of course, nine points behind Estoril with three games to play. You're laughing. You know where I'm going with this, right? There's a nine-point gap with three games to play. You know what that means? If Santa Clara were to win all three of their games and Estoril were to lose all three then Santa Clara would be level on points. And I believe, and people can correct me if I'm wrong, I believe they would stay up due to the head-to-head rule because they beat Estoril 3-1. Now, of course, they'll have to hope that Maritimo and Passos and Estoril all lose all three of their games for them to stay up. But I tell you what, Bonnie, it's not impossible. Albert, it is, because Estoril played Maritimo last game of the season, so one of them is going to... Oh! Got it. Oh, they could right. still what make the you... playoffs. They could still, they make, the... still make the playoffs. <laughs> and do you know what? We were joking there, Barney, but they're four points off the playoffs. I tell you what, that's not fucking impossible. No, no. That's Come suddenly on. become very realistic. Well, let's let's do one last game um, in this insane relegation battle. Uh, let's talk about Maritimo versus Rirav. Maritimo, now, they would have wanted to take advantage of not just Passos losing to Sporting, as we mentioned a game we haven't touched on as well, though. Estoril lost 1-0 to Boa Vista above them. Um, Marita would have seen this as a great opportunity to pick up some points, to close the gap if they'd beaten Rio Ave, but it was two minutes of first-half madness, which saw them go 2-0 down with two goals in two minutes. They were able to rescue a point. I thought it was a very good second-half performance from Marita, which earned them two, which earned them a point, getting two goals back. Perhaps they could have even got a third. But Barney, how many times are we going to say the same thing again and again? These clubs are getting themselves into positions that they cannot recover from. And it's all well and good saying they had a great second half. But when you get yourself into that position where you need to recover from a 2-0 deficit at home in a must-win game, you've only got yourself to blame if you drop points. Yeah, and and from what we saw from, you know, having gone 2-0 down, this, you know, they... This could have well been a, a three points for Marito. You know, this was a big game, and it's it's yeah, it's it's the defenses in it that have have just let them down several times. You know, it, it's but and and then it's of course their attacking players that sort of kept getting them out of it. I thought the um the front line were brilliant. I, I mean, Andre Vidigal has been. Really, really good playing through the middle. That's been a, a change of, of lately. You know him, him playing as a striker. That's really, really worked for them. He's obviously got the goal in this game. 
Felix Correa looked fantastic, you know, playing on that left wing, cutting inside. Perhaps there's, you know, he can definitely improve his final ball, his finishing, but, you know, he's got that quality of um, to beat a man and and, and push push the uh, teams back. And, of course, there's Jadash as well, who's... It, I just... I, I love Jadash, Albert, and I think he's... I think he's been. I think he's got something to offer more to this league. I think he deserves a move. I, I think I really, really rate him. He's been there. He's been the 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 player for Maritimo who's, who's, who's kept him ticking over sometimes. And yeah, it's just you know it's, it's it's all well and good, like you say, praising these these attacking players getting the goals and stuff. But they they just. <laughs> but I mean, I, I wrote down now, but well, one Ukra is playing starting for Rirav, and two, <laughs> two he got an assist. You know, like what what's happened? <laughs> I thought he was just there for the kind of dressing room um, <laughs> ante, you know what I mean, for, for score Burrell, but he, no, he's, he's got assist in this game. Do you know what? And, and it, the really disappointing thing was that it was Zina Din that I think was at mm. fault for at least one of these goals. That's a senior player at mm. the back. You know, that's a player that you really want to rely on. And I think he was at fault for at least one of those goals. Um, but to concede two goals in two minutes, that doesn't tell me that this is a, a bad team, although they are a bad team. What it tells me specifically is that this is a team lacking confidence because as soon as the goal goes in, they're in panic mode and, and and they allow that to compound itself and they concede a second goal straight away. Any team will tell you, if you concede, do not panic. Do not let the situation get worse. Just keep it tight. Focus on you know, staying calm for the next few minutes and then build from there. Because look, if they if they only concede one goal in the first half, then maybe they win the game two one. Um, but alas, they didn't. It was it was a much better second half performance. Um, you mentioned most of the players worth mentioning, so I won't dwell on it too long. But one player that I thought changed the game bizarrely was not attacking player, but it was Claudio Wink who came on at left back. And I think I, <laughs> I know you please me saying this. I think he changed the game. I think he, I don't know why he wasn't starting. He, he came on at left back, not right back. And he, he was, he was getting into the rear out box every opportunity he got. He got a great assist with the, with the header. Um, one is, won the ball in the box, knocks it down for Vidigal. It's an open goal for Vidigal. So, you know, he'll take the credit, but um, Claudio Wink got the assist and I think he almost scored himself to make it 3-2. So that's a, you know, that's a leader. That's a man who's captain this side. And I think it's personally quite harsh that he's not starting. I would be starting him. Um, with Maritimo in the situation uh, that they're in. Uh, well, look, that's the last of the games that we are going to touch on this weekend. But I think we should do another one of our little roundups for those games. We haven't gone in depth. So for anyone who's missed the results on Friday night, Casapia and Portimonense drew 1-1. I said on Twitter at the time, is this the most nil-nil game of Premier League at all time? Well, it was 1-1, so I was... Uh, Pretty close. Um, on Saturday, as I mentioned, Boavista beat Estoril 1-0. Estoril not quite able to continue that good run of form there on. Boavista on a decent run of form towards the end of the season, but they'll very much be mid-table uh, once the season ends. And then on lastly, on Monday night, Shabs came from behind to beat Cow 2-1. I think Aruka would have been very pleased to see that result until they realised that um, that means Shabs take over Cow in the hunt for Europe. So still plenty to fight for in the relegation battle and the fight for Europe. And of course, in the title uh, in coming weeks. So that's all we've got time for on this week's show. We're just going to end with our favourite section of the show. And that is, of course, uh, a recommendation for game of the week that we think you should be watching this weekend in the Primera Liga. And Barney, I will let you start. 
oh, there's so many um, little stories going on, isn't there? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm really drawn to Esther Aruka on Monday night. I, I, like you know, we've talked about well, both teams. I feel like need need a win, um, Esther especially, um, and I just that could be quite a a good little matchup. Um, elsewhere, you know, they got big, you know, big teams playing teams looking uh, fighting for survival. Braga play Santa Clara. Um, uh, Sporting face Marito. I, I call it Sporting Marito. Though actually, that could be a nice little game. Um, but yeah, the Monday night one for me is my little uh, pick. Yeah, I think I'd be inclined to agree with that. I think that is probably the choice game. Um, I would maybe mention Chavez versus Pastor Frey, although I think there's a danger of that also being a nil-nil. So I'll uh, just mention that one quietly. Well, we should say, I was, well, let's just keep an eye on the Portugal.net website for our, uh, our weekly preview articles. We've been knocking, they usually come out on a Thursday or Friday morning. Um, we sort of highlight the games, uh, put a little context into some of the, the big games of the weekend and also highlight some players to keep an eye out for us as well. So, yeah, check our Twitter feed and then Portugal.net for those. Absolutely. Well, look, we'll leave it there for this week's episode. Uh, if you've enjoyed listening to the show, you could leave us a little review on Apple Podcasts or a star rating on Spotify. Uh, if you really enjoyed listening to this series and you want really to get involved a little bit more, do not forget to check out our Patreon page where you can become a long ball football socio and that's just £1 a month. Uh, we're already having a lot of fun with 20 socios already um, so definitely get involved there's plenty of funds we have for the end of the season it could come in handy with an up and coming announcement in the next few weeks as well if you yes. <laughs> we will say no more than that but look, that does just leave me to say thank you very much for listening and we'll see you again next week yeah see you next week